you have a star-studded green light pod today. Uh, Diana Rossini of ESPN, always plugged in, very knowledgeable, very funny. Um, Mike Giardi, NFL Network, on my Mount Rushmore of New England personalities in the media. Happy Wednesday. Um, I know every day feels like Wednesday, but I'll say it anyways. I'm just going to remind you that today is Wednesday, the third day of the week. I know people are losing track. It does feel like Groundhog Day. But a little break in the monotony this week. We had Last Dance Sunday night. Uh, We had the NFL Draft Thursday night. This is not a drill. Real sports might be basically an interwebs sporting event, uh, but it's real sports, and I'm all for it. If you can do it safely, if nobody's in peril, um, if you can get it done without some Russian guy hacking into the Zoom database um, and rubbing his balls across his uh, his phone as the Giants turn in the fourth pick, I am all for it. Let's get it. Let's get some sports. It is a welcome distraction from the abundance of appropriate bad news uh, every night as we open our mobile devices or turn on uh, the TV. So sports fans are psyched. I'm psyched. Oh, not to mention, you've got a uh, star-studded green light pod today. Yes, I, I, I did not welcome you as I customarily do to the pod today with the welcome to green light pod. This is your host, Chris Long. I just think after a while, I get so tired of saying it. And it also just doesn't even sound like something I would say. I'm doing a podcast from my fucking kitchen uh, when, when the kids are in bed or I'm like sneaking off into a room in the side of my house, um, struggling to, to hook up Zoom and securing guests. And I don't know if I'm retiring the Welcome to the Greenlight Pod is your host, Chris Long, but it just doesn't sound like me. I didn't feel like starting the, uh, the podcast with it today. So yeah, Thursday night, NFL Draft, excited about it. Um, it is a, a welcome respite for a lot of people who are missing sports, um, and that might be good news from an entertainment standpoint. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good news for your team. In fact, it likely means that you are going to see your team make a shitty pick Thursday night. It's a total crapshoot. It's damn near impossible to do. I can't believe every year we expect these teams to get it right with regularity as if it's not a total crapshoot. Um, and hindsight is always twenty twenty. This draft is going to be unique for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them is uh, that Cincinnati might get some good news. Uh, and it's ironic they had to wait till there was like a pandemic. But here we are. It looks like they're going to go with their guy, Joe Burrow, the hometown kid. And I suspect it's the right move. I've said this before. I think he's got it between the ears, big time, as much as any prospect I've seen in the last, you know, at least since I've been in the league. Um, you can't fake what he's got going on upstairs. Um, now, obviously, there's the football skill and all that. Uh, is he a one-year wonder? We'll find out. I suspect it's the right pick. And uh, Bengals fans, you might have some good news Thursday night. We'll see how it unfolds. Uh, in addition to the last dance Sunday night, in addition to the draft Thursday night, you have a star-studded green light pod today. Uh, Diana Rossini of ESPN. Always plugged in, very knowledgeable, 
very funny. Um, Mike Giardi, NFL Network, on my Mount Rushmore of New England personalities in the media. I I have not done that in my head before I just said that. Um, So I'm not sure. You know what? I'll stand by what I said. Mike Giardi is on my Mount Rushmore of New England media personalities in sports. Um, He's awesome. He is. And he's got a lot of Patriots insight. We'll ask him about the bomb that dropped uh, the the Leroy the Insider Dog um, bomb that was dropped weeks ago. Um, The slow detonation. Tom Brady has his stepbrother back. His stepbrother was Gronk the whole time. Edelman's looking around like um, John Travolta in um, Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah, Jules is like, what the hell, man? I'm all alone. Where'd everybody go? Gronk is headed to Tampa. I think it's awesome. And the Pats, um, you know, got compensation for a player that wasn't even going to suit up this year. So very interesting subject. Giardi is going to hit that subject as well as Diana, I'm sure. Um, Diana knows a lot about the Tennessee situation. She follows that team closely, um, among some other spots. And we'll just talk draft. Um, And then we'll be back tomorrow night, Thursday night, during the draft. Um, This thing's going to be on YouTube. uh, And I'm going to be doing a live watch for the people at Braun. The good people at Braun that keep me um, looking presentable. And then, uh, and then Friday we'll have a draft um, recap with very special guests. I got a good surprise up my sleeve for Friday. Should be fun. Uh, without further ado, I guess let's get Mike on first uh, to talk about uh, the Patriots and what's next and what's happening in the draft tomorrow. Very interesting. They got a ton of picks. And obviously the organization is at a crossroads. So we'll see what they do with it. Um, an unprecedented time in New England, at least for this generation of fans. Um, and Mike Giardi should have the scoop on what's going down. Welcoming now to the Greenlight Pod, a friend of mine and uh, a New England insider, Mike Giardi. Uh, Mike, it's going to be an interesting day tomorrow. Give me the biggest shock you think that's going to come off the board for the Pats. Give me a wild card pick. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting when, you, when you're talking about that range of 23 and who slides. And I was talking to somebody, Chris, or multiple people, front office types and scouts who were saying, look, don't be surprised this year if there's a run on the big bodies in the first round, especially because the idea is it's safer and we don't know when there's going to be football again. You know, I, I think we're all assuming OTAs are, you know, by the wayside. So when does training camp start? And the idea of not having, you know, a wide receiver, a tight end, to be able to go through some of the playbook and, and OTAs and get familiar with the quarterback and the system. Yeah. You can do it virtually. You can send them the playbook. All that stuff is great. But as you well know, doing it on the field, especially when you're young, is pretty important. So the idea that some of these big bodies might come off and then if you're the Patriots and you're sitting there at 23 and is, is there a receiver, you know, is Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson or someone like that, who's, you know, clearly in a, in a, in a different draft could be top 15 guys. He there. Is Kenneth Murray, who's probably the best linebacker in the draft, does he fall into the 23 range? Certainly seems like when you're looking at some of these mocks and, and the, the more recent ones with more information, I think that that is a real possibility. And certainly they have needs, Chris, all over yeah. the place. I mean, yeah. honest, honestly, if I was them, I, I, I go back. I, I trade back. I'm trying to accumulate more picks. They don't have a pick in the second round. Like, 
I think they got to find a way to bridge the gap between their first, which is 23 overall, and their next one, which isn't until 87. So a lot to unpack there. A lot of picks, a lot of needs. I think they have, or they had 12 picks at the beginning of the day, at least uh, before the Gronk thing went down. Is that true? I believe so, yes. So I think they're up north of 12 now, um, and I could be wrong, but, you know, a lot of picks, a lot of needs, and that happened quickly up there. It, you know, it's not – you're not used to seeing a team in New England with so many holes, but you make a great point. With the adjusted summer – we could see a little bit more playing it safe at those positions that need a lot of grooming, i.e. quarterback. You know, is Stidham enough for them? It, do you buy the, uh, the line that they're going to they're gonna ride uh, Stidham uh, to success, or are they going to move up and make a really unexpected play? Yeah, I don't I, – I really kind of – I, I mean, I don't – with Belichick, you never want to rule anything out. But I think the idea of trying to get up for the, the first three guys, and I think – you know, obviously Burrow's going one. Tua seems to be the one who might slide here a little bit. I know they like Herbert, but again, how far does he slide? I, I, I think with the, with the position that they're in with the picks, the, the guy would have to be into the late teens before they could really think about doing something aggressive unless they want to go into next year's draft, which again, you're talking about a team that's gotten older, uh, that has plenty of holes to fill, and I don't think mortgaging Next year's draft either makes a lot of sense for the team where they're at right now. So I, I don't see a quarterback early. I know uh, Ian Rappaport, who's our insider on NFL Network, says they're going to use a premium pick. But to me, premium pick is a first rounder or a second rounder. And right now they don't have a second rounder. So um, could I see them taking one in the third? They have their collection of picks in the third? Absolutely. But as you well know, that's, you're, you're kind of just throwing a dart there and hoping you hit, just kind of like I think they've done with, with Stidham. And Stidham had a uh, – by all accounts, even before Brady had left and we, you know, that had even gone into motion, they were saying good things about Stidham. But as one guy cautioned me in the building, we can tell you all these things about Stidham, all the things that he's learned and how he processes and how guys respect him. But until he does it on the field in a big spot and does it again and again and again, it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, especially up there. I mean, um, obviously huge uh, shoes to fill and not an exercise they've had to go through in 20 years. So if they were taking a, a guy um, in, in the mid-round section of the draft, who do you think they would lean if you were guessing? Yeah, you know, I, I think both Morgan in Florida and Gordon in Washington State, both of those guys have some of the traits, especially in terms of processing and the quick decisions, which I think is one of the things that they fell in love with about Garoppolo was the idea that he could take this information, process it quickly, and get through his progressions and his reads uh, and see what teams are trying to do to him. And I think some of these guys, um, like Love, for instance, from Utah State, who, who may end up in the first round, probably will because of the yeah. premium people place on quarterbacks. But I think if you kind of look at what it looked like last year, a lot of I'm not sure where I'm going with the ball, not reading things quickly. And to, to, to the way the Patriots think, you can have all these other tools, but if you can't process, then then the hell with you. That's not yeah. that's not something they want. I, I guess the other thing I would think of here, Chris, is that maybe after 20 years of running a system a certain way, that maybe a change of pace quarterback, and I think Jalen Hurts sort of would stand out in that third round. You know, if he if he ends up in that third round as someone who would be a change of pace guy, not your starter, mm. and not someone I think that you again. I don't think he processes very well either and I think he's played a lot of football both at Alabama and Oklahoma so to me that's probably what he is as a pro but the fact that he could, could come in give him a package of plays where it's just the progression of that's your first read that's your second read it's in front of you if it's not there 
take it and go might make some sense for some for a team that might be looking to find a way to generate more offense next year. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, um, you know, if you look at them, the case for them not to pick somebody early is if you look at the Patriots roster, what does a, a young uh, quarterback need? He needs protection. Uh, I'm not sure that New England's the best place for a quarterback uh, that's young, like a Tua, if they were radical and they moved up. That's why I don't see the Tua thing at all, unless Matty P is going to do him a favor and say, hey, if you get Cannon next year, we give you right. Tua, you can come back work for us. Um, you know, but a guy like that could get hurt. Uh, you don't have the protection. You don't have a tight end. You know, you don't have that security blanket. Uh, and this is not a tight end friendly draft. Uh, in fact, there's barely anybody, the kid at Notre Dame, kid at Purdue. But when you got when you've got Claypool moving up in the ranks as a tight end, he's more of a receiver, if anything. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what they do to surround a young quarterback, hypothetically. So I don't see it going that way either. Yeah. And I also wonder, you know, like the, the Hoyer thing and when, when they when they when they acquired him again, this for the third time, um, his agent said, oh, you know, he's been assured that he's going to get a chance to compete. And people initially scoffed at that. And said, well, why? Well, for a lot of reasons, I think he has a chance to compete. One, he knows the system. Obviously, right. he's started a ton of NFL games granted to middling success. He is what he is, but they know he's intelligent. They know he'll protect the football. Um, and also, I think there's a potential, hey, this is a little bit of a bridge here. Jared Stidham, you don't have to be the guy who follows up Tom Brady immediately. Brian Hoyer is the guy in the record books that maybe does that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, whatever, three, four yeah. weeks in, if he's not getting it done, all right, we're rolling with Stidham. And you go that route. But you kind of give the kid a little bit more time to grow and learn. And again, it's, a, it's an odd offseason. He's not going to have a chance it's, to, it's, to do all this stuff. Is Stidham too good to tank with and too bad to, to win with? I mean, you're in this interesting <laughs> yeah. you're in this interesting place that, you know, it's uncharted territory for them. Um, you know, if you're saying, okay, we're going to forego this year's draft and prioritizing quarterback, and next year, you know, you look at that class. I, I, I'm not familiar with it, but it doesn't blow me away outside Trevor right. Lawrence. So, like, then what do you do if you're sitting at seven and nine or eight and eight? You're going to be in the same situation. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I'm just not sure. You know, Stidham could also give you a built-in excuse if you're not great this year. If you invest in a young quarterback, that's going to be tough. And I know Bill doesn't think about legacy, but there's a lot of people who I think incorrectly are looking at this year as a litmus test for mm. what came first, the chicken or the egg. And I don't think it's fair to Bill, and I don't think it's fair to Tom, quite frankly, either. Yeah, I would agree with you completely. I think, to me, their legacies are cemented, and it's their legacies of what they did together for basically two decades, sort of running the National Football League, the two of them, head coach and quarterback. And uh, I think the, the, the rush to blame after it was all said and done and they split their ways is natural. Obviously, people want to, wh what caused this? Well, look, there are a million things that cause it over the course of time, and Tom grew into what Tom grew into, and Bill is still sort of, Bill, he's got Bill. his basic yeah. established tenets and foundations. Bill just and, moves, think, Bill just moves closer into the core of being Bill Belichick. He doesn't right. change any other way. It's not like no, he is no, and, and 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 do you blame him? I mean, look, no, I mean, and we've talked to guys like you know Devin McCourty. Who I know you were on his podcast. Uh, shout out to the double covered podcast, yeah, double covered Devin and Jason. Have you but, heard those no. guys are twins? Yeah, no, really. Yeah, I mean, it's a great podcast. Shout out to those guys. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's but, interesting. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, Chris, is that Devin talked about some of the, the ways that Bill has changed in the last few years, just 
you know, a little bit more levity in training camp, a little bit. I mean, we're not, you know, he's not going to be like, oh, the heck with it. We're all go to the beach. Like that's not, mm-hmm. that's not his deal, but hey, let's do a three point shooting contest. Let's do some different things to sort of, I don't know, build the the, the, the team culture. But at the end of the day, Bill's going to be Bill, the same guy every single day. He's going to break your balls every chance he gets. If that's what he thinks is going to make the team better. And uh, you know what, you were there for a year. You yeah. lived it. Yeah. And, 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 and now more than ever, we talk about all the time, the Patriots adapting to different, um, you know, opponents every week. And I think that the Patriot way thing, we make this point all the time here, uh, is that the Patriot way thing, it doesn't mean they're stuck in their ways. They adapt every week schematically. And I think they'll look at this year as its own opponent. I mean, I, I, I think to your point, it will be interesting, interesting to see if they do some change of pace on offense, how the defense changes. They've had kind of an exodus of players. Uh, you know, linebacker got hit hard. You lose three guys there. Uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball because, again, no matter what you do in the first round, I don't think that you're going to be a team winning 30 to 27 ball games. So they have to know they need to address the defense. And last year, you know, that reputation as an elite defense, uh, let alone a historic defense, got away from them. So what do they have to do defensively? You know, you mentioned the guy at Oklahoma. There's two other backers. I know Queen. And the kid from mm-hmm. Wisconsin, I think Braun is his name. Uh, yeah, he's the, uh, yeah, are on he the board the, for them, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I wonder if uh, the kid from Wisconsin falls a little bit because he had the the diuretic in his test, so maybe that slides him out of the first round again. That's why I think that finding a way to get into the second round and maybe it's using one of those third round picks and Joe Tooney, who they franchise, yeah. and everybody keeps saying they want to work out a long term deal. Well, you know as well as I do, he was going to either reset the guard market or he was going to come awfully close to being in that market. Mm-hmm. So franchise tag is basically $15 million. If I'm Joe Tooney, why am I taking a penny less than that per year? I mean, right. you can structure it however you want, but he's going to ensure himself that he's getting that guaranteed money. So I wonder if Tooney gets put out there uh, in a trade, maybe package it with a third, get into the second round. You still have a couple of the thirds to, to mess with. And that gives you a little bit more ability to fill some of the holes that you have. Obviously you'd be, you have a pretty big hole there at offensive line if Tooney goes, but I think it's kind of hard yeah, to put guard, him on the you know, Guard is a position, you know, you can, you can find guys. You can find swing players. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting moving forward because, okay, this is an, a weird one to me. How do, you, how do you value appropriately players that were coached under SCAR for a couple of years? Right. I mean, so now you're paying guys. And, you know, Tooney, who I really like, and he's a great kid, and he's very good at what he does. I think he'd be fine when he goes somewhere else. But there might be, you know, a doubt in somebody's mind in that building. Like, we don't know who anybody is now. Right. I, I, think that, I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, he's, as we know, he's uh, one of the best coaches the National Football League has ever seen from a positional standpoint. And, um, you know, the guys, they love the way he taught. Um, they obviously, all those guys progress. Think about all the different yeah. guys that they've come in there and they've, and they've, they've grown, you know, Shaq Mason got paid, uh, Shaq's got great talent, but came from Georgia tech. They ran the ball every single play yes. and he developed two years ago. He was one of the better guards in the league and last year he was hurt. So a step back for him. And then again, you're talking about money too. Tooney 15, um, Shaq is eight and a half. Right. 23 million for two guards? No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how they draw it up. Um, but yeah, back to back to defense. Uh, you know, are, are you looking at anybody on the D line? Because you know, you're gonna need depth. You got Bo Allen, you got Lawrence Guy inside, and then behind him at linebacker, we talked about that. But on the back end, too, I've seen Xavier McKinney's name floated as well. 
Um, yeah. I know they love their Bama kids. What do you think happens at the first and the third levels of defense? Yeah, I like Marlon Davidson from Auburn. And again, sort of on the line of the big bodies and someone who can two gap, uh, which, as you well know, they've. They like to do in, in New yeah, England. Um, yeah, you're you're pretty familiar with that. Um, yeah. So I, he's someone I think is a natural fit if they stay with the defense that they ran for the majority of last year. Yeah. Ep- I not say that Epinesa, I, yeah. Thank you. I can't, it just does not want to come out of my mouth. I'm going well, to. I don't think it's going to come out of anybody's mouth for a while tomorrow night. Unfortunately, because really? I, I like the kid, but I'm just not sure. You know, if he played 15 years ago, he's a first-round pick, slam dunk, but it's just a different league now. He's kind of in that tweener spot. Yeah, right. And it, and I know some people have mocked him and said, like, oh, well, the Ferentz connection and all that. But I I do find that fit a little bit difficult for them. Uh, they would have to go back to the old way of playing defense with him if they wanted to utilize him maybe to some of his strengths. He's he definitely not as an athletic a guy as they, they would normally select in that yeah. range. He's, he's kind of a four-eye, five-five technique, tight five. He can rush inside. I'm sure he can give you good power rushes on the outside. Uh, you know, he reminds me of Nassib, but better, more athletic. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, just a long guy, but kind of an in-between guy. So, I don't Nassib know. He seems like, like a New England guy round? to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like Nassib. Nassib's yeah. had a nice career. But, you know, if you're going to get that first-round pop out of him, uh, I don't know. He does seem like a, a New England type of guy. An Iowa type of kid seems like a New England type of guy. I'm yeah. surprised you don't get more Iowa kids in New England. <laughs> I would think they'd be right up there with Bama as far as populating that locker room. Yeah, and then you, you mentioned third level. I, I'm a huge fan of Xavier McKinney. And when we did the NFL Network, uh, the, the, the talent draft, I picked him at 23 for the Patriots, you know, the way the, the, way the board fell. But I yeah. just think Bill loves smart safeties. Good safeties. He puts a lot on those guys. Pat Chung, Devin McCourty for the last how many years, you know, yeah. doing it for them. And, you know, Devin, I know they signed him to the extension, a two-year extension, but what a better place to learn for McKinney. They traded Deron Harmon, too, which kind of opens up the potential. They like to play three safeties a lot yeah. for, for the kid if he shows something to get on the field fairly early for the Patriots. I, he's, he's a guy, I think, when you look at him, too, can get in there and cover tight ends and can – can do some work out of the slot too, which Patrick has to do from time to time as well. So I think that he is stylistically, uh, he makes a lot of sense. I know that people say, well, that's not necessarily your priority. Your biggest need is not safety. It Sometimes isn't. you feed your strength. Yeah, um, exactly. And, you know, and, and, and we just do keep it. that thing and, rolling. Yeah, in Philly, I mean, I, a couple of years I was there, it was like, we don't need any more D linemen. And we just draft another, take another. And, you know, when I was in St. Louis, we rolled on the D line. But, I know that the engine last year on defense by a mile was, and I know you have to dress up front because I think that's what was missing and it ended up exposing the defense, but you know, the guys in the back end. So I could see them investing in that. Let's get to Tom Brady and uh, Gronk reuniting before you roll. That was the big news of the day. Yeah. It felt shocking, but it kind of didn't. Uh, is anybody actually shocked up in New England? I, I think there is a little bit. And I just think because people weren't paying attention enough to some of the things that were said not only when Gronk retired, but even the year prior when it was clear he had had enough of Bill's way of doing business. And that, that's not a knock on Gronk. Look, yeah. we, we all have different personalities and he fit himself into this, maybe the square peg into the round hole for a good long time. And it was a beneficial relationship for both sides. I think at the end, he was tired of it. He was tired of getting called out. He was tired of getting yelled at. And um, hit every day in practice. Yeah, and yeah, just, hard, his body. Yeah. I remember watching him in practice and thinking, geez, he looks, he's one of the best players I've ever seen. 
but it looks like it hurts sometimes. And, um, you know, that has to be, I saw some people today scoffing at the fact that he had said he was burnt out. Hey, how burnt out does Gronk seem now? How afraid of the contact? And, right. you know, those two things can be true. I mean, you can make some money on CBD, be afraid for your future and miss football. And I think all those things, you know, when you retire, it's a complicated time, but um, yeah, I, I think some people are looking at it like a four and a seven for Gronk. Like, I think the Patriots probably got a good haul there. The guy's 31. He's been out of football. They probably know better than anybody where he's at physically. Um, I, what say you? What say you? I'm not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris, the, 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 what were they going to? What were they going to get for him? He wasn't coming back to play for them. That was clear. Like yep. his career as a New England Patriot was over. So he decides, I want to come back and I want to go play with Brady. Okay, that's fine. It's predictable. I mean, they they clearly were married at the end quite a bit. The two of them. Uh, and their relationship and maybe some of their disdain is probably too strong a word, but their dislike of what was going on with Belichick and the way they were being coached. Uh, wait, so, wait, Jules, the side chick, <laughs> you know, Jules is just, <laughs> I, I actually, we should probably reach out to Jules. I'm a little worried. We should. About I'm right super now. worried about Jules. I was you know, Tom left. Now Jules is going to be looking around. You know, like John Travolta, the, yeah, the gift Gronk, from, uh, Gronk two years ago, yeah. now Brady. Well, you know, like, and I'm the old guy. You know, like, yeah, it's just, exactly. Uh, Life comes at you fast. That. Life comes at you fast. But it I guess really you know, does. when it comes down to players getting burnt out up in New England, I think everybody gets mad when a player says he's had enough of the Patriot way or whatever. And it might not be that simple, and it's not personal. It doesn't mean like players don't like Bill, but organizations move on from players all the fucking time. Bill does it for a living. Yep. You know what? One of your greatest players gave you a decade, gave you everything he had and just had enough. Um, and I think it's the right thing for the Patriots football wise, because they could easily have been petty. Um, but oh, for, for the sure. Patriots, if, if you let your football acumen and not your feelings guide your decision-making, that's what you do today. You, you, you acquire a couple picks for a guy that wasn't going to play for you. I mean, I think it's a win for both teams. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I don't think there's any question about it. I think getting a four for him is, is damn good when you consider, again, not going to play for you. So this asset is either going to sit at home and stay retired or you're going to say, or he says, I'm going to play. Well, now all of a sudden he comes back and it's 10 million on your cap. You don't even have the money and you know, he doesn't want to play for you anyway. So that's right. a whole BS thing of, of a game you're going to play. So just get it done. You get a pick. Uh, again, you need picks. You need more bodies in there. You need to get younger. Um, and for, for Gronk, Hey, what the hell? Right. I mean, yeah. let's give it another run. See how I feel. I mean, yeah. and, and like you said, he definitely that last year with the Patriots, we talked about it so much. His demeanor and you've been around him when he feels good. He lights up the entire room. Mm -hmm. And the mostly when we got Gronk for all these years, that's what he was. We would get that just that dose of energy, that juice that he gave you. And that just sort of the happy go lucky thing. And that last year was a slog. He was unhappy. He hurt. Everything was different for him. He did not enjoy it at all. And I, when he retired, I was like, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, yeah. I wish, if you're the Patriots, you wish it came a little earlier because they basically got hosed in free agency at that position right. because he sort of held them hostage for that first week of free agency. But whatever. I mean, it, it happens. It's going to be perfect. I think he's, he's, it's going to be a welcome home situation because I think he should almost be an honorary Floridian. He's just so unpredictable <laughs> and sketchy. Perfect. Uh, and I think Tampa is going to be perfect. I think they're going to be in 12 personnel. I don't know if they can actually trade a tight end. I don't know. You know, OJ Howard, no bites so far. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Real quick before we roll, what kind of year do you think you see from Gronk? Do you think he has anything left? 
Uh, I think he's got a little left. I mean, look, he's not going to be the primary guy anymore. It's, it's yeah. Evans, it's Godwin. You're yeah. you're kind of the third fill, and we know Tom loves to throw between the numbers. So between him and Brayton, and if I, I can't imagine Howard's still on the roster at the end of this, but between those two guys, there'll be enough touches. I, I look 40, 40, 45 catches to me. Yeah. Decent yeah. blocker again, you know. Like I mean, obviously the last years of the Patriots when they turned the corner, those final couple weeks, and then the postseason, um, yeah. they did it running the football and he was blocking like an animal. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure they'll protect him a little bit in that regard, mm-hmm. but so you won't have to do it like he had to do it in new England. And maybe that gives him a little bit more legs later in the year. Well, I'm pulling for him. He's, he's a good dude. He was always a good I like teammate a and I'm pulling for Tom as well, but uh, I am as much as anything, really excited to see the unpredictability uh, that will follow, you know, after tomorrow in new England, nothing's going to be the same. I don't know how it's going to happen, but a lot of picks, a lot of possibilities. And uh, Mike, of course, right on top of it. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Thanks, Chris. Anytime, bud. So that was Mike Giardi. Uh, always good to talk to him. Really insightful, really knowledgeable when it comes to the New England stuff. And there's no team that I'm more curious about when it comes to tomorrow night than the Patriots. It's an unprecedented time uh, for them. They have a ton of picks. They could go a ton of ways with, with uh, tomorrow night. It could be a splash fest. Uh, with just unexpected moves, maybe they do something big, or they could just go about their their business and uh, go under the radar, executing some long play that that Bill's got in his genius brain. Um, one that we have no idea what it entails. Uh, anyways, we'll find out within a day. Um, that's New England. Now let's get on to the rest of the league uh, and talk to Diana Rossini. Uh, from ESPN. Welcoming now to the Greenlight Pod, uh, ESPN's Diana Rossini. Uh, Diana, how hectic has your week been? Uh, it's very busy, thankfully, because I've been yeah. bored out of my mind for about a month. So it's 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 busy. It's busy because no one has anything to do. So sure. I feel like getting in touch with people I need to talk to, people that normally either. Uh, you know, block me or or just don't even pick up the phone when I call it, people are like answering because they're like yeah. you know what I'd rather talk to you than my wife right now because I- I'm gonna kill everybody that lives under my roof so it's actually been really good yeah it's been uh it's been a long month uh and especially if you're a sports fan I but this week there's hope I mean you had Jordan Sunday night you got the draft uh and I feel like I, I was just talking to I had Clyde Drexler on the other day although you're the biggest guest this week not Clyde the Glide Diana Rossini mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um Clyde said big three is probably going to be on for late in the summer. We got it. Sports are kicking back up again. Yeah. Uh, so it's so hard for me to come on here and be like, oh, man, you know, I'm so bored because I live in North Jersey and right. we're in the hotbed of this thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm friends with so many people all over the country and I feel like everyone's kind of living slightly normal. I mean, they're not right. going out to bars and restaurants, but. Here you can't you can't do that. Like you cannot go outside unless you're going for a quick walk, and it's just awkward when you run into like your. I, I live in an apartment building, and you see your neighbors, and like no one gets on the elevator at the same time, and everyone's like staring at each other, and you, know, you get your mm-hmm. groceries delivered. Um, so I'm just waiting for this thing to just end, just because it's it's actually been scary. Has anybody stopped you? For draft uh, intel and 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 um, disregarded social distancing and got too close, like with their mask on, just like hey, yeah, like um, who, who do you think the Bengals take or who you know, like you're like dude, back up. 
No, but um, I have a, a like a front desk in my building where our packages go, mm-hmm. and he's oh the guy that is is at the desk is really cool, but he he knows What's I'm a sports reporter, Jose. Oh, shout out to Jose. Yeah, Jose's cool. Uh, Jose knows what I do. He knows what I do for a living, but he doesn't like to like talk loud in front of people. I think he thinks I'm I, I either uh, want some sort of privacy, which I really don't. Like if anyone wants to talk sports, I like to I like to do that. Celebrity. So he's no celebrity, but he like whispers to me. Like I'll say my apartment number to get my package, and he'd be like, "How's football going?" <laughs> you know, and I'm like, "It's it's it's good." You know, it's not, there's not a lot of football going. <laughs> you know, just like you know, he's really cute. So he'll, he'll ask me questions about the Giants, the Jets, because because of the area I live in. But I don't think he really knows football. But yeah, no, no one really bothers me. How how you know? Speaking of the Giants and Jets, I mean, I I know that's not uh, those aren't teams you cover exclusively. But are you hearing anything about what the Giants might do with that pick uh, up at the top of the board? Yeah, I can tell you, Talk Radio today was going berserk. Which, yeah, I, I still listen to New York Talk Radio. I just like it. Um, they the, the rumors here, just the rumors, not what I'm reporting, are, are that they're looking to get out there. They, they're, they're they're willing to trade in that spot, but. Here, here's the one thing. Anyone I talk to that knows Dave Gettleman, they always can, they always share that there's, there's like two sides to him, and there's that like goofy side that I think we love to make fun of, and it's low hanging fruit, and then there's this very smart, uh, sort of ninja, uh, who who just wants to scare all of us to, or at least put this sort of dumb persona on when really, yeah, it's under promise over deliver or whatever that thing is. It's, I think yeah. it's all ninjas have that written in their, you know, they have a, a sign above their door under promise over deliver. And look, it's probably a good way to live life because your expectations are just <laughs> yeah, so yeah. low. You're like, what is this clown going to do? Yeah. Um, right. Versus the ones that go out there and tout and, you know, act like mm-hmm. they have it all together. Um, yeah. But I mean, the Jets have a lot. They have a lot of spots to fill. I, I know that. Um, and I think between the Giants and the, I mean, the Giants are going to make the most noise if you're going to ask me which team is going to do more. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to, I think they're going to trade. That, that's just my, my opinion. Right. I love to yeah, it. I could see that. I mean, listen, Simmons is being floated a lot. Um, yeah. I, I love Simmons as much as anybody in the draft. I know I'm not alone there. Um, you know, the, the multitude of ways he can line up. He's in the hundreds of plays, you know, inside linebacker, outside backer. He's at safety. He's he's covering the slot. He can do it all. Um, so I could see them needing somebody like that on the, their defense. Anybody could use him. Also tackle. It feels like if you do trade back, you can get just the same player at wherever you trade back to as you could at, at three or four. So, you know, there's a few teams that you know, Detroit as well has been talked about as far as being a trade back candidate. Interestingly, that would be kind of like the trade a couple of years ago with Indy and the Jets. Uh, maybe somebody wants that three spot a lot, but I could see the Giants getting out of it for sure. And I think Gettleman probably has something up his sleeve. I agree with you. That's a very good point. He seems like the guy that's always feeding that low hanging fruit, but doing something different on the back end. Yeah, yeah. But by, by the way, sometimes when you when you showcase some layers to your football knowledge, I forget that you paid attention to this stuff even as a player. Yeah, mom's like, like even when I listen to to this podcast and the one you do with Ryan, Run like, the program. Huge, huge, don't miss an episode. Yeah. love it. I yeah. always am doing laundry and washing dishes, and I put you guys in. There we go. Uh, and sometimes I'm actually like, wow, he he actually know like his brains aren't like scrambled eggs from football. He like, has he, brain. He, 
like he he knows he knew what was going on in the league, but you never came across that way as a player. Like you kind of just were like, get it, you know, not that you were anti me. No, what did I we just hey? What did we just talk about? Under promise, <laughs> me and Gentleman. That's, that that's my guy. You are Dave yeah. Gentleman. Yeah, me and me and Davey G. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see them definitely trading back. Another one here, and I know, you know, as, we, as we're as we in that division, uh, and then we'll, we'll get to the teams that, that you've been covering uh, heavily, yeah. but the, the Eagles uh, yeah. at 21, that's going to be very interesting because I've heard things about them possibly moving up into the San Francisco spot, San Francisco having two ones, trying to get CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb would be a big-time Howie Roseman-type move. Uh, Written all over it. Yeah, isn't it? Yep. That, I mean, I was going to actually share that with you, um, you know, just from sources I was talking to in Philly recently. Um, even Actually, even going back to free agency when I was trying to take temperature on where they were in just in the receiver game and just what, what they're doing with Alshon and and everything pointed to receiver in this draft. Like, do your homework on receiver because that's, that, that, that's the spot we're going. Um, but I, I don't – I can't picture Howie just sitting there um, I mean, look, if, if the guy that they want falls it falls in that spot, yeah, that's, that will happen. But I see them moving. I do too if they can, but if they can't, I also think they have to be careful about not overdrafting a fast kid in the first round because this is a deep class. And, you know, I understand, listen, they're in the situation they're in because they didn't do enough to surround Carson Wentz with reliable speed. Since Torrey Smith, there's been Mike Wallace. He got hurt. I like Mike. If he was healthy, he would have helped a great deal. He got yep. hurt. Deshaun was great while he was healthy. You, you're not going to be able to rely on him any more next year than you did this year. You're going to need somebody. But is Rager the guy at 21 if you can't move up? I don't know. Um, you know, is, is it Ruggs? I don't know. I, Ruggs has been a, a, a big topic there. Uh, I could see them moving up for a linebacker, though, if they could get him. If the receivers fall not the way they want them to, um, they could really use a linebacker. They lost Bradham. Linebacker was not a strong suit for them going into the draft or before they lost Bradham. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there, but I, I just feel comfortable saying that they are they are in the market for receiver, and especially the fact that this receiver class is so robust. Um, I, I think they feel like they're going to be able to find a guy. Now, this being said, uh, talking to a head coach recently um, for a team that definitely needs a receiver. Um, he didn't name it when I was talking about needs. He didn't name a receiver. And I'm like, how come you didn't say receiver? I would think you'd want one, especially in this class. And and he just has this mindset that like, look, you don't want to waste a top pick like that. I don't, we don't need to, I, I, I'll find a guy in my practice. Spot. I can find receivers. Um, I remember back in, you know, during the Odell Beckham contract situation with the giants, um, I'd run into to Bill Parcells at some event and we were chatting and I was just, trying to get his thoughts on it. I was like, so what do you think about Odell? You think they should pay him? He goes, which top receiver wins Super Bowls? Which high paid receiver wins you Super Bowl? Right. He goes, do you, he obviously was uh, underestimating. He was under, well, he was underestimating my knowledge, which he's an old man. It's not his fault. But he said to me, uh, do you know a guy named Adam Thielen? And I was like, yeah. He's like, there you go. You can find guys out there, you know? Mm. I walked away thinking, like, man, that guy probably really stupid. But that's okay. okay. But okay, he, I, I okay Bill, well, tell me then who the five next diamonds in the rough are because that's, that's the, the hard part. And if I'm Carson Wentz, I don't want to hear in a, in a year that unfairly will be make or break because last year you almost have to throw it out the window. He's been hurt the years before. Last year I yep. thought 
you know, he, he got at times as unfairly criticized as any quarterback in the league. Um, he did a lot with a little. He could be better. Uh, but this year, he's going to be under a microscope. And if you don't give him the speed he needs, it's not like he's a check down guy. If you make him play check down ball, you are not unlocking the abilities that he has to, to, to elevate as a first rounder. They know that. And this is why they're going to, they're going to get him a guy. They have to, they have no choice at this point. They didn't go after any big names in, in, in the free agency market for, for a wide receiver. So draft, draft of where it's going to be. It's just going to be which one I, this is where it's going to be interesting. Uh, Thursday night. Give me, give me Tennessee real quick, because I know you know a lot about Tennessee and I got to feel like, correct me if I'm wrong. This is, is, is they're in a, if you believe that Tannehill's the guy, they're positioned really well from a need perspective. I mean, they probably need a couple things here and there, but they're not a ton of holes on that team. Yeah. So they, they're going to need a tackle they're gonna yep. need a corner um, Logan and Conklin out. So they're going to need to replace those guys. Yeah, Conklin's out. Logan's still on the street, which is interesting. I, I don't know what he's looking for money-wise. I'm, you know, it's probably worth looking into to see if Tennessee'd be willing to bring him back. But I'm, I'm going to assume Logan's asking for a lot of money for them not to bring him back. Yeah. Um, but though a receiver, they could use, they could use, they're looking for one as well. Um, it, if I was to predict what Tennessee's going to do, just based on taking the temperatures there, I think they're going to trade out. I, yeah. I, I think they, they, they want to get more picks. Um. You know, to, to to build around them, but the free agency is where they did their work. This isn't going to be, uh, this isn't the time for them to really build as much because they they feel pretty set. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I looked at them last year. They're not a team that outside Derrick Henry, you know, and and Brown was was fantastic, one of my favorite players to watch. But they weren't a team that wowed you at any single position. They were just very evenly distributed. And uh, that's reflective. I feel like their identity, the, the the even distribution of their talent is reflective of their head coach and where he came from. Uh, but, you know, that, that having been said, I don't know that Tannehill, you know, will sell you on just one year as being that kind of winning franchise quarterback. What's the sense in, in Nashville as far as did they do the right thing in making that move to bring him back at that cost? I think people in Nashville would have been more open to the Ryan Tannehill signing if the Tom Brady thing was never lurking. I think what happened was we immediately went and started comparing, all right, you're going to pass on Tom Brady for Ryan Tannehill. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, just because people remember just the highlights of Brady and what he brings. And, um, but, but whenever I talked to Tennessee about that decision, it, it would, they were never interested in Tom Brady. Like, I don't know where that came from. I mean, actually, I know where it came from. It makes sense, right? Mike Vrabel and Tom Brady, they're good friends, former teammates. But it was a one-way street. That yeah, was right. Brady wanting to be in Tennessee and Tennessee being like, mm, we're good. That's, um, that's an awkward thing when you're the GOAT. And it just goes to show you, it's not an automatic thing that you have some big market for any any player, you know, about to hit free agency. I mean, you're Tom Brady. And you're chasing teams like it's 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 crazy to think about, and it makes sense because he didn't have the best year in the world last year. He's 42 years old. I mean, I get it, uh, but but it's also sobering to realize that even the goat is going to have teams that are on his list um, and, and not and and not the other way around. I remember talking about it on Get Up really early on about um, just not having a sense from talking to a lot of teams that needed a quarterback that they were not interested. Um, and you know, the, the aggregators take that and just go crazy on the internet. Um, and in the end it all came out right, but 
I, I remember saying it and the look on Greenberg's face is like, like this chick is not coming back on the show. She doesn't know what she's talking <laughs> about. Like how, you know what I mean? Like, have you been back? Me? Have you been back? I mean, you're I right. Have. You a <laughs> victory lap. Uh, no, no, I didn't do that. But it, here's the thing. No one ever remembers what you're right. They remember when you're wrong. But at mm-hmm. the same time, consistently that, that it, it all worked out just the way Jeff Darlington had it, you know, him leaving new England. He kind of, he started that uh, with Schefter and then uh, just getting senses from other teams. And, and, and believe me, there were, the chargers were in it all the way up uh, until that last day. Cause I was talking to them and they were asking me like, what's Tampa telling you? Like everyone was trading information, trying to get it. Uh, but either way, back to Tennessee. Um, yeah. T- I mean, here's the thing, as much as we're now learning that, Tennessee was never really interested in Brady. Brady knows that too. And I right. always wonder how awkward that's going to be as much as we talk about how weird it would have been for Braves and, and Brady to be together on one team and have to make those awkward decisions. Cause there, there is a realness to that. A lot yeah. of fans were like pushing back so much, like big deal, get over it. I'm like, you can't mess with friendships like that and right. history. And, yeah. and you could speak to it better than anybody. Um, it's on, a tough, what that it'd be a tough situation to be awkward, you know, like eventually, you're going to have to release the guy if you, you're going to have to release the goat, a guy you, you were, you know, a brother to for, for a decade plus and won championships with. And then additionally, I do see some value if you're Tom and saying, Hey, let's drive my value up a little bit. Like, let's make this look realer than it is. Uh, I don't think Tom's the type that, that when I say chase a team, I don't know that Tom was begging the Titans to want him. I think that Tom probably was saying, it's not the worst thing if I'm FaceTiming with, with Ray oh, yeah. Syracuse game. Like even Jules, Jules didn't even know what was going on. Jules had no idea sitting there. Why are people that I like to believe are, are, are decently smart? Just in some moments do things. You're like, what? Like, how could you not? Because um, I, I did wind up talking to Brady about it. And, and I talked to all three of them. And the exact thing you said is, is the reality. They weren't really paying attention. I'm like, all anyone's doing is looking at you all the time. And you're also in the bottom row. So, like, do you not know that people can see your FaceTime? I, it, it, you know, like, I, I could not imagine having the TV12 brand and not knowing that people don't see the FaceTime behind me. But I think all this stuff drove up the perceived value of Tom, which was high, but not every team is going gonna, is gonna to take a flyer on a 40-plus-year-old guy, even if he's the GOAT, and, and, and realize you're not going to get him for the next five to ten years. It's got to be a team that, that, that can win now. And speaking of teams that can win now, I think Tampa Bay is a team that can win now. It's, it's interesting to me that their win total at first glance, uh, according to Vegas, was like similar to the Pats' win total. It makes sense when you consider the division they're in. I think if Tampa's in the NFC uh, or AFC East, I think they're probably projected to win 11, 12 games. Uh, that's how tough I think the division is going to be. Do you think they're as ready to win as everybody else says they are? No. I feel like everyone is acting like the way we did after Odell got traded to the Browns. Remember, we're like, they're going to win the whole thing. We, we weren't even talking playoffs to the Browns. We were saying Super Bowl. Uh, and that's what everyone's doing already. Don't just use the wrong we now. I, hey, listen. The problem with the Browns is, and they're finally doing this, they were building from the outside in. They were making splash moves to build their thing. And now with Conklin and probably a tackle at 10, I think we're getting the right idea. If you could snag Clowney there uh, in free agency and pair him with Miles Garrett, are you fucking kidding me? They're going to be disgusting. Nasty. That's nasty. Yeah. I uh, don't think that's going to happen though. So it's yeah. sweet of you to think of that. What's the latest um, on that? 
the latest, I think Tennessee's going to wind up landing them. So, so? yeah, so Clowney, uh, and I'm sure you saw some of the reports, but Clowney wanted somewhere like 22, actually. I reported 20, but it was really like 22 million dollar range. Uh, yeah. Man, hey, I wish I was asking for 20 after. I mean, like, listen, I, where I am on Clowney is that he's a terrific player. So, yeah. you know, but as a pass rusher in the league, like, I just remember how you you absolutely have to get that number for people to pay you usually. You know, like, you don't yep. get paid off. Now, he's the, if anybody is the exception to the rule, it's Jadavian Clowney. He lines up anywhere. He generates a lot of pressure. The injury thing, though, we're, we're going on the wrong side of 20. And, you know, that knee has been a time bomb a bit. A bit. But I, I still think if I was the team, I'd take a flyer on him. I don't know if I'd pay him $22, 23000000 million, but the market's going to yeah. take care of that. Yeah, there's no way Tennessee's going to pay that. There's no way Cleveland's going to pay that. The Jets were in for a while. They're not paying that, which is why he lowered his number. Yeah. Um, so it was more of a the franchise tag number relative, like seventeen five. I think it. I think it is. Um, but so even that. Think, so basically, the headline is: You think Tampa sucks? No, I don't. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, uh, I know. I think we all do this. We get it. We see the big name, and we're like, Oh my god. This is amazing. Oh my Tampa. god, Tampa. It, it, yeah, exactly. Um, which I went to Tampa for the first time this year. So uh I covered an XFL game there for the Tampa Bay Viker Vipers. Classy was, time. Yeah. Yeah, I got into some interesting things. I, I did not I was unaware of uh what that city had. I now know. That city is um, perfect for Rob Gronkowski. I was telling Giardi because we had him on a bit ago. That and by the way, this is very Italian pod. Uh, it really is. I'm yeah. a big uh-huh. fan of the already- we, we 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 might change the background to an Italian flag here. <laughs> and by the way, a lot of people don't know this. My mom's uh, maiden name is Adonisio. So look at this. Yeah, look let's at this. Roll, look at us. Let's just Paul roll Rudd. meatballs and make pasta. Paul Rudd.gif. Look at us. Look at us. All all the Italians on one pod. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like um Gronk is like an, an honorary Floridian. He's so unpredictable. He he definitely does Florida type stuff. And he's gonna thrive in Tampa. If there's any city, I don't think Tom, I don't think Gronk is a Miami guy. I think he's a Tampa guy. I think he's more of a, a Gulf Coast guy. Is he is Tampa's on the Gulf Coast? Am I right? It it is. Good job. Yeah. Um again, no scrambled eggs here. Um which by <laughs> the way, the scrambled eggs term I got from Danny Amendola. He said, oh, really? years, he said to me years ago in the locker room, um, remember when Brady uh, cut his thumb? Uh, during It was right in the playoffs, yes. I think. Yes, it was in the playoffs. Uh, had to be two seasons, ago, maybe three even. Yeah, on a helmet. Uh, it, was, it was one of the running backs ran into him. Yeah. So the big story of the day was who did it, right? It was a, it was a true who did it moment. Mm-hmm. And I was on the 6 o'clock sports center that day and practice wrapped up at 5. So I had no time to figure this out. So I'm like running around every player's locker, like who did it? Who did it? No one's saying a thing. And so I went up to Danny, and and you know Danny well. He's such a nice person, and he's like, "Hey, Diana, what you know? What's up? What do you need?" And I was like, "Just, just tell me who did it, you know." <laughs> and he's like, "You must think I just have scrambled eggs up here." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's Danny. Danny's also an underpromised, overdeliver guy intellectually. I mean, he likes to play this, you know, all shucks thing, but he's uh, he's like, it's like Pinky in the brain. Um, yeah, you know, he's 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 definitely smarter than he he leads on. I was gonna say with Tampa. Well, no, first, who would be the who would be the ESPN equivalent of of hurting Tom Brady's thumb in practice? What would be the ESPN equivalent of that? Would it be like it would it would be giving Steve May a flat tire and he falls on his face in the in the building? 
It would be right before the NBA playoffs where first take is on the road, you know, where they have the big shows or, or no, or he's in Dallas, you know, when he goes yeah. to Dallas. That's my favorite Stephen A. I think you and I agree on one thing with him because I've seen you tweet about it where it's like somehow he's won everyone over. Like his ridiculousness is so endearing. It's, it's an incredible study. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I love his monologues because he just, and I pointed this out to you, I think that like, who's taping these? They're done on cell phones, like in his house. Like how many takes is it? Who's taping it? Is he like, Hey, hold this phone. I got to, I got to act like a cowboy and talk and scream for three minutes. Keep, <laughs> keep a straight face, please help me stay in character. Like, how is he doing it? He is an actor. You know this, right? Like he has a background yeah. in acting. He's been in soap operas. And I, I think he what? takes, yeah, he's been in soap operas. He's been in movies. Google it. Go look at his IMVD page. IMVD. Do a lot of people know this? I, I kind of felt like that was pretty general knowledge. That Stephen A's been on soap operas. Yeah, he, this is like his background. You never Googled Stephen A just to like, oh. like, like, who, like, who is this guy? No, I just know he went to Winston-Salem State because uh, my buddy William Hayes went there and he's a notable alum. Other than that, I have no idea. No idea. So I think he's got pride in the craft of it. Like, this entertainment that he puts on the internet i i think that's really him going this is me pretending to be whatever this person is and and, and he's good at it um general hospital was, yeah there you go general hospital he was on there's a no. movie because i watched it he was like the friend of a guy having an affair and i'm like why is Stephen a in this movie and what is his role i think he's with chris rock yeah that's what it was chris rock was tempted by this woman at work and he was going to cheat on his wife and then he was Stephen a and his wife were like they were like the couple's best friend they'd go out like, to dinner. don't do this chris rock yeah and Stephen a was just like come on love your wife love your wife you know um <laughs> but uh i forgot what we were talking about oh just talking about um ruining tom brady's son that day upset did you imagine um, somebody like hurt tony romo before a big game now i mean that's kind of you know that's kind of the stakes now for some of these guys i mean these are massive commodities you mean as on-air talent or as quarterback? Yeah, these on-air talent guys. I mean, you, there's the, Tony Romo's untouchable. Stephen A's untouchable. Skip Bayless, I, I don't know if he's still in that echelon of untouchability. Do you think they get their popularity through just basic knowledge of sports? Or do you think it's a familiarity thing? Meaning, I worked in Washington, D.C., and I, the main news anchor there was on television, on that station, on that desk, for 40 three years. He was a bigger deal than the president in DC. Meaning you go to dinner with him, everyone's stuck. It was not, I've never been around somebody and, and I've been around, Apple. I've never been around anyone who got the attention this guy got. And he used to tell me, I'm not good at what I do. People yeah. are just used to seeing my face when they put the channel on. See, I think Stephen A is, is terrific at what he does and what he's being asked to do is be charismatic, talk really like like he, he just, he can freestyle. He can just like, there's no pauses with him. He never has to find the word. I actually think it's remarkable. I, I couldn't do that on TV for hours a day. You know, even if he's not sure what he's saying, he has a way to fill the dead, dead air while he's trying to figure out and finish the thought. He's a brilliant guy. He's charismatic. I do think he knows sports, but I also think part of it is you got to sometimes talk about those headlines ad nauseum and like, that can be tough. I'm sure that like, if you listen to Stephen A on the radio and I haven't, although I do love the radio, the Stephen A reactions that you can get on Twitter and a lot of yeah. them are radio. Uh, 
I'm sure he's a different guy on the radio than he is filling his first take spot. I have heard him on the radio and he, he is good on the radio. He talks a lot, but what he does, and I should probably bring it to my game a little bit. Uh, he is comfortable with silence. He will let it breathe. Whereas yeah. as a reporter, like what I just didn't do like what I just didn't do. Yeah. You just cut me off. You didn't let the moment be, but even let, let's say you just asked me a question about the draft instead of taking a second, let you finish and be thorough with my thought, not just go with what my instinct is. I bet you I'd be better. He's totally fine with letting the audience wait so he can gather what he's going to say. And I, I think that that's pretty phenomenal. So credit to Stephen A. Smith. How did we get to this wormhole? <laughs> I'm letting you finish go? your thought. Oh, I was like, this, this thought. <laughs> I was like, hello. I almost it's shut up. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> It's terrifying to let somebody finish their thought, dude. Okay, so it's can you actually answer this for me? Somebody told me that Bill Belichick is the king of what you just did to me. This like, oh yeah, ready? dude. Like, like you're like talk, yeah. like, like do an invitation. Yeah. Ready? So I'll be you. Like, uh, yeah. Hey, coach, you call me in here. I did. Oh my god! I see my person. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. And there's no like lean forward. He just, his heart rate does not like, you know, if you're going to sit there and play like the silent guy thing, which is super cool. And I always want to do it, but I have too much ADD. Like my brain just, but Bill can sit back there and his body language doesn't change. His heart rate probably doesn't elevate. He's totally fine with the discomfort. And I cannot take the discomfort, the awkwardness of just sitting there for three seconds and the risk that somebody has no idea what the fuck you're going to say. That's the power, right? That, yeah, the power of Stephen A. Stephen A, Bill Belichick, two peas in a pod. So back to Tampa. You don't think they're that good. How good do you think they are? Okay, so I think while we're spending the, this next week talking about how good their offense is, like Evans, but Godwin, Gronk now, uh, I think it's their defense that's actually the piece to this. I thought what Todd Bowles did last year, they took a step forward. Um, and, and do not under estimate the power Todd Bowles has in that organization in terms of what they're doing as a team. Um, that's where I, that's where I see the bright spot right now, as much as it's exciting to see what BA is going to do with this offense. I still think it's going to be the defense that holds them down. Absolutely. And you have to, I mean, they're, they're I, I think they were essentially a top five defense last year, considering if you looked at certain metrics and um, you know, there were games where I turned the TV on and teams could not run the ball on them. So uh I also think they're going to benefit from the fact they're not going to play a lot of sudden change football, which playing in St. Louis for a while at times I was used to sudden change football. And for people listening out there, it's when you sit on the bench, you just start to drink your water, yeah. your dad, your 15 play drive and somebody throws your helmet at you. And it's like another pick and you run out there on the field and you're discombobulated. And then the team scores again. So that's what happened to them and Jameis and even drives that they, that they sustained for scores, I don't think they had the pacing that was conducive to like complimentary football. So I think they'll improve in that sense. Um, I'm excited for that defense. And they have two head coaches on, on the, on the staff with Todd, as you mentioned, um, and, and with Bruce and, and left, which is somebody who I think people feel like eventually will get a, a look at head coach. So they're stacked. I don't know what they do with OJ Howard. Do you think they can actually get a trade off? Because what I'm hearing so far is that they haven't had any bites. Yeah. Uh, same. I think right now that they're, they're, they're not getting anything from him. So, but again, once a draft happens, that's usually more stuff. Is, we'll see another um, layer to all of this, another wave, so to speak. 
as people try to sort out their rosters after the draft. Any players you think are going to be traded tomorrow that might be a surprise? Oh, Uh, I'm not getting a sense. I I still think the Trent Williams name is going to be out there in the next week or two. I, I just, I don't know if the Browns are going to be willing to give up what Washington's looking for. Um, and, and I've talked to all sides on this because it got, it's getting, it got ugly there for a minute where the agent was going on all these different shows and saying how miserable Trent is. And he was making it very emotional. And normally my read uh, on those situations, as, as I'm sure most people, when they hear it is all right, well, if you're tapping into the emotion of the player, you probably, you're probably not having a lot of leverage. There's something you don't have. You're missing right. a power of Yannick. Something. Yannick. My man, I love, I love Yannick. I want him to get moved as bad as anybody, but the Twitter thing, it's hard. And and you're just not gonna win that. I get secondhand embarrassment really easily on Twitter. Like when I see, because well, God only knows I do a lot of stupid things, but when I see other people do things, um, I, you, I just feel bad. It's like, no, no. Like, yeah, because he's not wrong. There's nothing wrong about it. But just at the end of the day, you're not going to help. I, I don't think, and, and I'm pro player. I'm as pro player yeah, as anybody. Yep. But you're just, you know, the way these guys think, they're not going to look at that conversation and be like, yeah, that's good for, for the market for Yannick. So um, we'll see what happens down there. Give me real quick before I let you go. And again, I appreciate you coming on. This is great. Long overdue. You can come back anytime. Friend of the program. What a loyal listener comes on the show. I text so you. Loyal. Um, so give me a faller. Uh, I know it's not the worst year in the draft to fall. Cause you're not going to be sitting in a room with 15 people. You got to limit it to 10. You're not going to be embarrassed at a, at a table at, in radio city or in Vegas. Are you going to be waiting for your boat? Who's going to fall in this draft? You're going to hate my answer, and I know you're going to disagree with it. <laughs> uh, I can't. I'm thinking about the aggregators. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. We're just, and we're going to we're going to pull the shit out of this little crap. I hate all of you. Um, I, I think two will fall out of the top. I, I do too. I, I don't disagree. You do. Oh, thank you. I I haven't seen it a lot, and I just I'm not saying that that's how you want to form your opinion. But sometimes when you're that risky, you're like, "Wait, am I missing something? Did I miss the report, or did did somebody, you know, what organization at the top of this draft board say that they wanted this guy?" Um, for a while, just o- only because not only am I talking to the teams that are in the market for a quarterback. But I, I like getting a sense from teams that are just watching from the outside right. in and getting their thoughts. I'm not saying that all, they're all experts because we know in this league they're not. But just what would you do here? Would you take this risk? And, and like everyone's like, no. I wouldn't. No. I, I wouldn't. And, and listen, I want Tua to be as I, – I am in love with Tua, the college football player. And I also think that if he's healthy, I might snag him at two. Um, I actually think they're, they're – you know, there's, this is a flawed quarterback draft. There's four that are going to take it probably in the first round, but each of them has a question mark, as as usually is the case. But you can point to it very easily with Joe Burrow. It's is it a one year wonder thing? Is it Joe Brady? It's not saying. Yep. Uh, I think I think he's got it between the ears as much as any quarterback prospect I've seen in the past twenty years between the mm-hmm. ears. And you know the yep. arm thing. That's a question. Okay, Tua, left-handed quarterbacks. The the last five taken in the first round. Who's the one that didn't bust? Michael Vick. Also, the RPO thing in college. The hip. And it's not just the hip. 
It's two ankles. The ankles. Yep. I mean, and, and the fact that at Bama, they beat the fuck out of these players. So I'm not sure where he is physically. So it's not personal. And I hope I'm wrong, but I would not do it. I really wouldn't. The durability, it, it's a real thing. It, it, you, can't, you can't mess with that. You can't take that risk, especially when you're in the market like in Miami looking for the franchise guy. They're desperate. They need this guy. They, they're building. They have the pieces. They're or at least they're, they're working towards it. Um, the and, Joe and- Burrow thing, real quick, just talking to Cincy the, the last three weeks, um, you know, because I'm, tr- I'm trying to get something to bring on Thursday. You know, what don't we know? Um, and there's a couple little tidbits that I'll be able to like that I'm going to probably talk about on ESPN. The amount of work they did on him, the amount of sources at OSU, at LSU, uh, the conversations they they have had with him, um, what the owner had to say about him. The, the, the Ohio roots was a big deal. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm from New Jersey and, and you were around people from Philly and they're like the craziest when it comes to this is where I'm from. Uh, but apparently in Ohio, too. Well, they have southern not. accents in Philly? <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, they don't. I can do any. I can actually do any city. It is a gift that I was given. Really? Um, just Yeah, yeah. God gave it to me years ago. One day he came down to me and he said, look, <laughs> I can name a state and God, you're going to be able to do it. it. Frank Caliendo. So that 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 you could you could moonlight as Frank Caliendo. I'm Francesca. I'm Francesca yeah. Caliendo. There we go. There we go. Gal <laughs> Palantonio when you're in Philly covering the Eagles and, and Francesca Caliendo. I don't get to cover the Eagles because it's Sal. So it's like uh, I drive by, I wave, I go to games sometimes. But yeah, no, I don't get to cover the team. I don't think you're wrong about and some people are like, it's just football. It's it, you pick the best guy. I don't think you're wrong about the fact that in Cincy, you have to take into account that if you miss on this guy, it's not like if you let this guy fall to not that they wouldn't take Joe, but let's say they didn't and they liked Herbert better or two of mm-hmm. better. You miss on Joe Burrow, you bury an already essentially buried program. And Cincy, the guy is a hometown kid. I mean, the, the, the pressure is high to pick him and, and for it to be the right pick. I mean, you, you would be afraid to let him fall. And they seem to think they're having a very hard time finding weaknesses, whether it's maturity, his preparation, his love of the game, like everything you would ever. In fact, I get bored hearing about him sometimes. I'm like, OK, uh, it just seems that they're they're just so sold on him. He was that impressive. And if you think about it, they haven't really had a lot of face-to-face time with him. So the fact that he blew them away um, during those combine meetings and a couple FaceTime calls, I mean, it's obviously a lot of film, but uh, that they, that they're sold on more than anything, but he, he, he has something there that, that they believe in. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, Diana. So that that's probably, I mean, it's not the worst thing. They got a little taste of uh, what Joe Burrow's personality was all about. And then he went dark. Uh, and and I, he's like the ice ice in his veins guy. So I, I feel like if you just around him a little bit, he's got that probably that little aura, that like kind of personality gravitas that some quarterbacks have. I think if we talk about it and we throw that around a ton, I do think this kid has it. I hate saying the guy has it because not I every, know cause not even every good quarterback has it. You know, I, I know what you're saying, but. I do think he has a little, I think when you say it, I think what, what, what we're trying to say is if, if that special quality that separates you from everyone else in every room, no matter what you're doing, it's not just football, it's beer pong, it's 
um, shooting hoops. Like you're just always better than everybody at everything. It's the Michael um, Jordan thing. I mean, you know, timely, but it's that like, I want to win at everything and people describe him that way. But I think also just, you can tell a lot about somebody's body language. And I really do believe this. Like if a quarterback has the skills on the field and, and you like his body language, you like the way he interacts with his teammates. You like the way his teammates talk about him. If you read about the way people talk, that's one you want to find out what players think of a teammate, listen to their quotes. And if they're not going to dog a player, but you can tell listening to player quotes who guys don't really like that much. And when you read about the way people talk about Joe Burrow and you see the body language, the way he's cool under pressure and the skills, it's all there. Uh, now the sample size is small, so we'll see. Um, and that's yep. what it's all about. Uh, that's why this thing's a crapshoot. Uh, last thing, uniforms. Who won this this week uh, besides the Chargers with the uniform changes? Not the Patriots, not the Browns. I guess I'll give it to the Falcons. Oh! Uh, but the, uh, the Chargers just crushed. Those navy, like that midnight blue, okay. I want to wear it out. I want to wear it on a Saturday night and like go out to dinner in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Just Bruce Chris. First, first, first time, the you know, this thing's over, I'm, I'm wearing a Chargers jersey to Bruce Chris. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine how cool it would feel to throw that uniform on? And the all-whites, I love all-whites. They're going to look so good at night. The bolt on the helmet with the, with the numbers. Uh, you know, I wasn't crazy about the Patriots either. They should have gone back to the, the, the Pat Patriots. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Um, I, by the way, I'm, I'm still thinking about how you said Ruth Chris, and I was like, man, Chris's life and I, so we live in such different worlds right now. You know, you yeah, and but kids, it's so like Ruth Chris is a big Saturday night in the Longhouse. You know, we don't we, we don't have that here. You know, I live in a in a city of fifty thousand people, Metropolis, and we don't have a Ruth Chris. <laughs> we have many great local restaurants. Uh, shout out to Sebo Restaurants, Diana. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it should be a fun twenty four hours. We got some sports. Uh, coming up. So uh, a lot of good insight here, man. And also while we're on it, I want to give you an opportunity to brag about the fact that you were right about Ryan Tannehill uh, because we were talking about people don't remember when you're wrong or when you're right. They only bring up when you're wrong on this podcast. I want you to air out anything you've been right about before you go. Okay. Hey, you weird, mean people out there. I work really hard at this and you don't know how late I stay up at night sometimes just like dreaming what it's going to be like or what it would be like to be Adam Schefter. And I finally was Adam Schefter like one time. Give it to me. <laughs> For the record, you were one of the first people I saw actually classify that as what it was, which was a quarterback controversy when they brought Ryan Tannehill in. I was also on the Titans bandwagon. Uh, but Diana is right about a lot of stuff. One of the best. Appreciate you, Diana. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Catch you soon. So that was Diana Rossini. Again, we had uh, Mike Giardi earlier. Can't thank those guys enough. I know they're both hot commodities this week with everything going on with the, with the draft. Um, for them to call in, I am definitely grateful. And um, fun talking to them. Very insightful stuff. We're going to have a live watch tomorrow night again, as I mentioned earlier, with Braun on YouTube. Uh, so check out my social for more information on that. We're going to be hitting... Um, the draft, obviously, might have a, a couple special guests uh, pop in. Uh, and then Friday, draft recap show. Um, Going to try to get that out probably late afternoon. Uh, get up in the morning and bang out a pod. Uh, and probably will be joined by my co-host, Macon Gunner, via Zoom. Uh, and then also, um, I have a special guest. I don't want to glazer this thing. I don't want to... 
I don't want to overhype it, but um, Friday I have a guest that I'm excited about and it's going to crack me up. Um, yeah, it's giraffe related. Anyways, talk to you all Friday. Take care, stay safe, and uh, enjoy the draft.